Shortly after I arrived in Texas about eight years ago to begin a ministry there, I went to visit a member of the church who was in the hospital. And when I got there, I was rather taken aback. She didn't want to see me. In fact, she actually like, kind of told me to get lost. And I was kind of stunned. And she said, I didn't ask you to come visit me. I don't need you to be here. It's a simple thing. I'll be fine. I'll call you if I want to talk. I'd appreciate it if you went home. And I was really kind of indignant, which I did my best to not let show, and quietly left. And I got in my car and I thought, wow, that's going to be difficult to deal with. And yet by the time I got home, I started thinking, you know, maybe she's right. I just made some assumptions that, you know, where I'm from, you're sick, the minister shows up or calls. And here, it's not the same thing. Or with this person, it's not the same thing. And I could have called or asked if she'd like me to come say hi. You know, sometimes we don't see the difficulty in trying our best to love someone coming. And it kind of grabs our attention. It did not have to reach out and grab my attention last fall. My dad passed away. And I love my dad. And he was a hard person to love a lot of the time. And it took me a lot of my own work growing up as an adult to kind of deal with the issues of anger and other things that growing up with my dad produced so I could kind of not let those things drag me down. And it's strange how when crisis comes back or at the end of somebody's life, all that difficulty shows up as well. It was not difficult to love my dad at the end of his life because he had Alzheimer's. It was difficult for me because having Alzheimer's did not make him the responsive person that I missed when he was younger and I was younger and he had the ability to be more responsive. I greatly admired my son, who was 18 at the time last fall and in my father's last days, did a fantastic job of just sitting there and listening and talking, and it struck me, I must have done something right, because I could not have done that when I was 18. And maybe I learned a little bit that maybe I shouldn't be so hard to love myself and be that hard on myself. I got divorced a few years ago, and one of the great lessons I learned from being divorced is that I had a lot better insight into how difficult I was to love. Things from the trivial to the more substantial. Whereas, as that relationship faded, I was so focused on how my ex-wife was difficult to love, I kind of missed and now much better understand the ways I was difficult to love. I'm sure that there is somebody in your life who's difficult to love. I'm also sure at times you are difficult to love. Had lunch with a friend recently, and she told me a story that her son no longer wants any contact with her. And it just struck me, you know, in the gut. It was, I, I felt the blow, I think, the way she did. Presents were returned. Family members are cut off. 
and she and her husband had been divorced a while back. And I indulged in the selfish prayer of, thank God that didn't happen to me. But you got to keep loving anyway. The door is always open. Some people are hard to love because they act out. Some people are hard to love because they push us away. Some people are hard to love because they are ill or dealing with something difficult. Anyone who's a parent knows you can love someone as much as you can possibly love another person in your children and find them hard to love. I think my son was somewhere around the age of three when it occurred to me there really are only two kinds of parents. There's the type of parent who occasionally thinks about acting in a way that might be considered abuse, and then there are the parents who sadly act that way towards their children. That everyone has real high levels of frustration, sometimes parenting, and that's a real thing. And we learn to love when people are difficult to love a lot through how we deal with our family when they're difficult to love. And as my son grew, I learned that parents can be difficult to love. And not only for the reason that they really didn't know anything when I was in high school, but they seemed brilliant by the time I was 35 and had a child of my own. You know, we are all there on both sides of this. It can be difficult to love family. It can be difficult to love coworkers. It can be difficult to love friends. It can be difficult to love people here at church. It's very difficult to love somebody who's going through addiction and battling with that in their life. And it can be really difficult to love yourself. Accepting ourselves is maybe our greatest spiritual challenge because it's very hard to love somebody else deeply if you don't love yourself. And not in a selfish way, but in a real down-to-earth, grounded, human way that you are okay with yourself even with everything you don't like about yourself and all your stuff and all the things you think other people see in you that are so horrible, they're usually really not, that you're okay that way. Our universalism is a really challenging and yet great gift, and yet we tend to apply it to everybody else and not us. Our universalism says God loves everybody, no exceptions. There are no exceptions, none. You are in You deserve love, and you are lovable. And that applies to everybody, even you. And if you're like me, you know it's much easier to apply that to everyone else than to yourself. It can be really hard to love the world. Coming here on Sunday morning, you probably get a good dose of that. The issues we still need to deal with, we have a dying planet Racism in our culture is still much more rampant than we want to acknowledge. People are cruel and mean to each other because of their race or their language or where they come from or what they look like. And sometimes it just gets to be too much and like there's nothing you can do about it. And the world itself gets really hard to love. So maybe to better love people and our world when it's difficult, We take a step back first 
and we realize that we don't have to perfectly love others or even ourselves or the world. And that requires a little bit of humility. And I think we do not define humility well in our culture. Humility is not self-deprecation. Humility is certainly not self-aggrandizement. But it's that having accurate sense of yourself and being okay with who you are again. And a little humility helps us maybe put the difficult people and things to love as well as ourselves in a little perspective. It helps us see if we are being self-differentiated, if we have a sense of ourselves independent of others, if we have a good sense of where we start and stop and where other people start and stop and what we can control and what we can't control. As Unitarian Universalists, one of the things we talk about often enough is the dignity and respect of each person. And we do need to give everyone respect and treat them with dignity, even when they are not doing likewise. That's part of what we do in a covenant. And yet people can use the dignity and respect to be manipulative and be hard to love. Anytime a decision is made they don't like, anytime something goes the way they don't want it to, anytime they have a difference of opinion with someone, well, you're not respecting my dignity and worth. And yet, I think we all know you can be very respectful of someone else's dignity and personhood and still say no or I disagree. We believe love is based on mutual consent and not coercion. Yet sometimes we are called upon to love people in a very healthy and positive way who, for whatever reason they are dealing with, maybe can't be in that kind of relationship with us and that we find out that love is indeed at times very one-sided and sometimes unfairly so. But even though it can be one-sided and sometimes unfairly so, because it seems we're doing all the loving and not getting any in return, we need to remember that love is not transactional. Love is not, well, I've given you $10 worth of love, and I need $10 back. Or I've given you four pounds of produce worth of love, and I want four pounds of you know, organic milk back. It doesn't work that way. Sometimes the love is, and in a healthy way so, a little more the giving than the receiving, and that's okay. It's not a zero-sum game. And yet at the same time, people who study relationships, John Gottman and others, tell us that it takes at least five positive interactions with someone to counteract one negative interaction. And so it can be really hard when someone's hard to love and the interactions seem on your side negative and negative and negative and negative. It's hard to stay in there. We remember though, that everyone is worthy of love. Everybody. Universalism says everyone is worthy. Everyone's lovable. And our Unitarianism says, and it's our job to do the loving and our job to create beloved community. And sometimes that's a little uneven and love seems a little one way. But if we enter into our humility and put a check on ourselves that 
Am I being self-differentiated here? Am I taking care of myself and not being hurtful or harmful to the other? Sometimes all you can do is hang in there and navigate through. We have to realize that, you know, as much as we love anybody, we can't change anyone. You are not the reason ever someone else has pain or problems or issues. One of the best ways we love other people, especially when they're difficult to love, is we own our own stuff, as painful as it is, and we expect them to own theirs. When loving someone is difficult to love, we need to watch being codependent. That we do not love someone because we need them to need us and our love. We love them because we are caring and they deserve love, and we do our best even when they're difficult. And yet, we are okay with putting up boundaries that make them do their own work. That at some point, it's okay if you love somebody, in fact, necessary when you love somebody, to tell them to carry their own water. It can be really difficult to love when our love seems like there's not enough of it to go around term that's been more in use in the last generation is being a sandwich generation, where adults feel sandwiched between caregiving for parents who are older than they are and caregiving for children who are younger than they are at the same time. And that can just be really difficult just because of the sheer amount of demands. But it gives us another lesson in how we can love when it's difficult to love. And one of the ways we can better love when it's difficult is we get help. That sometimes the best way to love someone else is to get help with loving them and taking care of them. And that's okay. It is not not loving someone to have others assist you in their care and assist you in being better at being who you are so that you can better care for others. That can be something such as Someone, you just can't take care of them at home anymore. We had to go through this with my father. It was much safer for the family and for him to be at the veterans hospital. And it's also things like getting counseling or spiritual direction to help you deal with the difficulties in love wherever they're coming at you in your life. One of the things we can do when we're trying to love, especially when it's difficult, is to know when it's our place to say something and when it's our place not to say something. Susan Silk and Barry Goldman developed what they call, and I love this, the ring theory of kvetching. (laughs) And they developed it because they realized that someone in their their life had cancer and that there were people in the family and friends who would call this person up and say, I need to come visit you. Well, I don't, I'm not well enough to see anybody right now. And they'd get all mad at the patient. This isn't all about you. And the patient said, wait a minute, my cancer is not all about me? Of course it is. So the theory they came up with is that if you're at the center of the problem, the issue, the trauma, you get to kvetch outward in a circle to anybody because it's your issue, problem, or trauma. And if you're outside that, even if it's one step, one ring, 
you don't get to convetch in, well, your cancer is a you know, problem I need to talk to you about. No, it's not about you. It's about the person with the problem or the issue or the trauma or the situation they're dealing with. So you get to convetch outward to the people further removed in relationship from the center, but inward towards the issue, the person dealing with the problem. You're only allowed to be supportive. I'm here for you. I love you. Thank you. What can I do? None of this, well, that reminds me of the time when I, or I understand that because this happened to me, or how unfeeling of you to not make time to visit me, you know. I, I got to see you. It's bothering me that I can't spend time with you because you have this situation. None of that. That goes outward to people further removed in relationship. The person at the center, closest family and friends, further removed relatives and friends, coworkers, everybody on the outside. Love goes in. But complaining and kvetching goes out. And that can help us when things are difficult to love. As difficult as somebody may be to love, support goes in towards the center, towards the center of the issue or the person at the center. And then the complaining and processing or how it affects you only goes out to people further removed. It's, it's a great little model. Sometimes it's okay when trying to figure out how to love something when it's hard to just do a little bit what you can. If you're anything like me and a good-hearted person and the world around you needs so much and there seems to be so much wrong or injustice and things that could be better, how do you not get overwhelmed with it? I don't know. What I suggest is You do a little bit that you can, when you can, whenever you can, wherever you can. My greatest lesson with this came with people who are homeless. Because I've done a lot of up-close work with people who are homeless on the verge of homelessness. And one of the most difficult things that I had to deal with personally is I can't respond to every person who asks me for something on the street. It's overwhelming. I didn't know how to react. But the more I worked with folks who worked with people living on the street or in extreme poverty was you provide what you can. And one of the things I learned from working deep in a neighborhood of extreme poverty in Fort Worth, Texas, was that the best thing I could do sometimes was actually just be present. That a lot of times no one talked to any of these folks by name. No one asked how they were. And so that's what I try to do. I don't try to give a quarter to everybody I see, but I do try as often as I can, and I fail as much as anybody. What's your name? How you doing? Would you like some water? I got a bottle of water in the car. Or there's, you know, untold times I've given my granola bar and my apple to somebody at the streetlight where I was stopped. But I asked their name. Not always, but most of the time now. Sometimes you just need to be present Sometimes it helps to have a little structure to know how to deal with somebody who's being difficult to love. People can be difficult to love at church. You know? So one of the things our board has done this year, and congratulations to them, this was great, great stuff, with the help of a subcommittee and some other folks, they put together a right relationship policy. How are we supposed to behave in covenant to each other when there's a difficulty, when there's a complaint, when we have an argument with somebody? And part of what they worked with was trying trying to decipher, well, can we name issues instead of people? 
can we say something's a matter of church policy? So it's not personal, it's a policy thing. Maybe we need a new policy, maybe we need to follow the one we have, but it's not personal, it's a policy issue and decision. Or is it a performance issue? You know, there's a big difference between, I don't like Reverend Tony's sermons, to he's not doing his job. Because one's a performance issue. The other is what we call a preference issue. And you know what, when we're in covenant with people in a group like a church or anywhere, work with our friends, there's going to be different preferences or opinions. People may have a different preference or opinion about where to hang a painting, or what color to paint a room, or what element should be included in worship. But it's a matter of preference or opinion, and sometimes decisions are made that aren't the ones we would make, but they're not a problem of performance or policy or some other major thing. And in relationship, especially when we're finding each other difficult to love, we take a step back, we try to depersonalize, and what's the issue we have to talk about? And sometimes just agree to disagree on. Perhaps the biggest thing we can do when loving is difficult is learning to just listen. Dr. Rachel Naomi Remen has a great book called Kitchen Table Wisdom, and she talks about it, the power of listening that she learned being a doctor. And she found it very difficult to give people a hard diagnosis, to watch people suffer in that space of pain and confusion and emotion. And she would want to say things, I know how you feel. This happened to my other patient. She finally realized that was making the other person's emotional discomfort about her still, because she was having a hard time dealing with them having a hard time. And she got to the point where she'd just listen She says she doesn't even offer people tissues anymore because offering a tissue is me saying, I'm uncomfortable with your tears, and then it's about me. What she does instead is because she knows she has a hard discussion a lot, there's always tissues present right there within reach, and if people need one, they can get one. And she says the just listening transformed her medical practice because it really became about the patient's in a way that it hadn't been before. That she allowed them not only their health or their illness, she allowed them their pain and a space for it. And sometimes that's the only thing and the best thing we can do is just be there. Just listen. Because sometimes there is nothing you can do for somebody you love, and sometimes people don't want to let you do anything even though you love them. But what you can do is listen, and you can be there. I ask that you be vulnerable, that it's much easier to be with others when they are difficult if you can be a person who's a little less afraid to be who they really are with as many people as you can as often as you can. You know, I, I think often of the, the scene from Goodwill Hunting where Robin Williams and uh, Matt Damon's characters are sitting on the bench in Boston Common, and he talks about, you know, you get a snappy answer for everything, but I don't think you've ever watched a friend die, or I don't think you've ever been to a great work of art, and I don't think you've ever done any of this stuff. But when you want to talk about who you really are, I will just sit here and listen, and I will be there. And when we act like this, as simple as it is, especially when folks are difficult, it is a very brave embracing of the world 
that makes the world as welcoming as possible. It says, I am here and I will walk with you. You know, for as many of us who may not feel we are Christian in our spirituality anymore, just loving everyone who showed up is pretty much what Jesus did. No exceptions. And it's both a hard and wonderful spiritual practice. In a sense, we are asked when loving is difficult to just be an agent of grace. Love is not a bank. It is not transactional. No one is undeserving of love. You deserve love, and so does everyone else, even when it seems they don't. And we know that sometimes people need love most when they seem to deserve it or want it least. So we don't love because we will be loved in return. We love because of who we are and what we believe is the right way to treat people. Even people who may not seem to want it or deserve it. Love is not transactional. It is an unmerited, unasked for, even undeserved at times, blessing, a grace. The undeserved, unmerited, sometimes unwanted presence of love, care, concern, kindness. For love, if we believe in it as the center of our spirituality, is an opt-out proposition. There's nothing you have to do to be worthy of love. In fact, you're loved anyway. The only way you cannot experience our love is if you choose to remove yourself from it. But you get to pick. And I'll still love you. Love and grace are the home we have to return to. You know, Robert Frost said, home is the place when you have to go there, they have to take you in. But our task is to not only be that place where people have to be let in, but we want to take them in, even when they're difficult. And so we love people who are difficult to love as best we can. And in the end, that's all we can do. And the best we can do on any given day, at any given hour, is going to be different. And that's okay. Doing our best to love difficult people It's going to look different day to day, hour to hour. It's okay. Perhaps most importantly, just tell people, even when they're difficult to love, that you love them. I have a friend from my hometown who lost a brother to suicide. And at his 50th birthday party not too long ago, all he asked everybody to do was to tell people you love them. He said, tell them you love them. Tell them too much, tell them too often, and tell them in too many ways. And then tell them one more time. Even, especially, when it's a difficult thing to do.